You've tuned in to the All In IT Radio, a podcast where the hosts tackle our ever-changing future through the focus of the present. Listen to them discuss anything and everything related to information technology. We are Swedes and we talk tech. Hello and welcome. We are back. This is the All in IT Radio and we have a full crew today. Robin, hello. Hello to you. And Henrik, hi. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Good to see you again. It's been some time and I'm looking forward to this day's discussion. We are now in our third season of this podcast. Oh, we are. Yep. Didn't you know? No. But now I do. <laughs> Congratulations to us. <laughs> Isn't this usually where we have peaked and start to go downhill? In the third season? Perhaps. Yeah. But you're saying we will peak in our third season? No, no, no. We have peaked. We peaked in the second the season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. Yeah. What's the end? So it's only downhill from here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how nice. I think now is usually the time when some of us dies and we are written out of the script. And All right. Talking to ourselves soon. Yeah, well, we invite everyone to follow us down the abyss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it will be splendid. Now, I sort of, as I see it, the first episodes where we were really bad, that's sort of the first season. Mm. And the second season is where we got good up till... You know, when I came into the picture. Right before you uh, joined uh, as a permanent host, right. somewhere yeah. there, yes. Then we made a speed bump somewhere in the middle, yeah. It was around that uh, episode where <clears throat> we interviewed uh, Don Rosa. Somewhere yeah, around right. there, we really, it really became good. And it was great up till now, and now we've had a longer break, and this is therefore the third season. Mm. So what will we discuss today? Something we need to work on. Yeah, I think that one of the problems we have is that we're not working together as good as we could. I think the problem is that you never listen to me. <laughs> All right, you... I predict that you will say at least three times during this episode that you don't listen to me. That's a lie. All right, we'll see. We will see. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> Four times. <laughs> <laughs> now your prophecy is false. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's talk about collaboration tools. We are a bit in the flow of the now as Google has announced a new one. And we take a look at older ones that we miss and tools that we are not really perhaps all up to date with and stuff that we don't know anything about. Yes. And we will have a hardware yeah. review by me this time, a Chromebook and not to spoil anything, but it's great and you should buy it. <laughs> but it's not available anymore. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. True. I didn't think about that. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. We better start this thing before it gets derailed even more. What's it time for now, guys? One cool Three thing. Three cool things. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> One cool thing times three. Yeah. We hope so anyway. We will see. <laughs> Let's hit it. My one cool thing uh, for this time is the LSJ bot or uh, LSJ bot or whatever you call it. 
It's a uh, bot, a computer program, which is used to create Wikipedia articles in an automated uh, fashion. And this bot was developed by a Swedish uh, physicist, Sverker Johansson, he is called. And uh, I, f- I find this bot very fascinating because um, it produces 10,000 items a day, um, more or less. If you look at Wikipedia, you can see that uh, Swedish is the s- second most common uh, language when it comes to articles. Hmm. The English uh, language has 5.2 million articles and Swedish has 3.3. And the next language to that is uh, German to almost 2 million. So it's a huge difference. And this is because of this automated bot. In the beginning, he used it for uh, animals, butterflies, beetles, and uh, stuff like that. Different creations. So this bot just spit out articles about flowers and animals. But now they start to work with geographical locations instead, also worldwide. So it's quite a fascinating thing. I think this is very cool. But what does it base the articles on? Does it translate them or or does it write it itself? He says that he takes it from... uh, The LSD bot receives the information from websites and online databases to make articles. Oh, and um, more than that, I have no idea, because it's not that many articles about this. So he has been interviewed a couple of times, but the interviewer probably don't know much, So because they, because they, they didn't ask in, in any deep questions. I know that Sweden is number two on Wikipedia, and I thought that was a bit strange. Yeah. But I didn't know the reason, but... You're saying that this bot is a large part of that reason. Yeah, in 2014, in mid-2014, the bot had produced 2.7 million Wikipedia articles. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite cool. It, it definitely is. If you look at other languages, like Danish, for example, it has a lot fewer articles. Or Norwegian, for that matter, is it has below 100,000 articles. So what we can take away from that is that there aren't as much, much knowledge in Norway. <laughs> yeah, okay, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, li- I like yeah. that one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. My cool thing for this time is the Spotify running edition in the Spotify client. I think it's available on all platforms, but uh, I've been using it on my Android phone. The thing with Spotify running is that it takes play a playlist. Uh, you can you can choose from a, a variation of different playlists or uh, a custom-made playlist for me, which takes tracks and artists that I've been listening to before. And when I activate the running playlist, it tells me that I should start running. It usually takes 10 to 15 seconds for Spotify to find the tempo I'm running with. So... I start the playlist, I put the phone in my pocket or attach it to my arm, for example. And after a few seconds, it gets the speed I'm running. So usually I run at 150 BPMs. And the playlist or Spotify tries to take uh, tracks that are in the same uh, pace that I run. Or usually I find it that it tries to take a, a track a bit faster than I run. So it tries to encourage me to run faster, I think. Uh, and then it crossfades to the next track and tries to beat match the tempo so it does a, a seamless transition. And for me, it has been working very well. If I run without music, I usually re- can't challenge myself to get a better 
uh, track record than the last time. And if I have a pre-composed playlist with music, I usually find that some tracks are too slow or too fast to, in regards to the pace I'm running with uh, currently. So the nice thing with the Spotify running playlists is that it takes tracks that are in the pace I'm running right now. And it uh, really makes me want to continue uh, keeping the pace longer. Cool thing. Have you tried this, uh, Robin? No, I have not tried it. Sounds interesting, but I I usually don't listen to music anymore when I do anything like that. I usually oh, right. I usually lis- listen to uh, podcasts. So, but if I would, yeah, sure, it would be a, a good <laughs> idea to try. Speed up our podcast to a certain beat per minute. That that would be fun. We have to start rap, I think. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but but if it's trying to make you run faster. Uh, once you get very very tired, it's like you 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 have planned to to run for let's say ten kilometers, and then you just um, you can't do it because the app gets you very tired. I don't think so because if I if I, usually if I keep a steady pace, I don't start out too fast, and it even I think recognizes if I lower my speed. So let's say I usually start at around one fifty BPM, but if I continue to slow my pace during the the, the jog or the run mm-hmm. I think it, it uh, will try to decrease the BPM of the tracks to match the current or I, or if it takes some sort of average BPM of the overall running session I'm not sure but mm-hmm. but it definitely varies the BPM up and down it doesn't it doesn't just take one that I start with and use that throughout all right so it's not like these zombie run apps that makes you run faster and faster because otherwise ah. you'll be eaten by zombies or something like that. <laughs> no, I, I haven't tried Subway Run. I, t- I tried uh, Runtastic. They had a custom-made story made in collaboration with EA and DICE from Mirror's Edge. So it, it's a story mode where you are a runner. But uh, I didn't find that uh, quite as exhilarating since the, the story was setting in a city and I was running in the forest. So <laughs> <laughs> Duck behind that building! What building? <laughs> Alright, and finally, Mike... One cool thing is that you can actually give away how you feel through the way you move your mouse. We talked about mice and and how you um, can't get that much information from them if one intercepts a cordless mouse, for example. But apparently scientists now can get quite a lot of information specifically about how you feel. So if you're angry or if you are upset, it shows in the way you move your mouse on a web page, for example. So as they detect how you feel, they can give a response to this. So, for example, if they notice that you grow more and more angry, they can put someone from custom services on your case and it can show a little pop-up window that says, do you need any help? Can we help you with something, for example? And this is really interesting, I think. This is something that we generally don't know, we are not aware of, but it's information about us that since today we are more and more worried about what companies know about us, we always think it's hard data. But here they can actually detect what mood you are in 
during different times a day, during different visits to web pages and such, and all just through you being there. And it's not something that you can block or something that you can keep them from knowing because you don't even know that these are signals that you send out. And I, I mean, there must be more like this, more hidden information that we give that soon will be accessible by companies and put to good use, I'm certain. Or bad news. Bad. <laughs> yeah. I was about thinking I was thinking about one thing though. It's like this must be a perfect opportunity for the pharmaceutical uh, in- industry. I mean like you are angry and then you get a pop-up like like from a pharmaceutical company it's like, oh you're in a bad mood. You need this pill. You can buy <laughs> <Yeah>. it here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking more in the, in the terms of, let's say, uh, I usually buy games at Steam that I never play. We know. Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> but but if, if, they, if they compile all the information and see when on the, the time or during the day or night I usually purchase a cheap game or something like that, they can, uh, they can target their, their marketing more towards me in a better way or something. I don't know. Yeah, so if they notice that all right, this guy, if it's after midnight and he's feeling a bit low, yeah. <laughs> he usually tends to buy larger packages of games. Yeah, exactly. So and then they'll send me an email. Give him a with... discount. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they'll send me a discount email or something. Some people eat food to comfort themselves. Yep. Some yeah. people buy games. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. That's one cool thing. Let's go over to the main discussion topic. So the topic for today is collaboration software. How we collaborate on different projects. And we want to look at specifically some websites and apps and programs that help teams and friends and families to work together to be able to sync their busy lives or busy schedules in different ways. And we'll touch on some of the new ones as well as some of the old ones that we really liked. But perhaps we should start this off with just naming and talking a bit about the most simple form of collaboration when you collaborate on a text let's say for work purposes or for school or whatever you want to create a text and you are one two yeah well one isn't (laughs) such a problem (laughs) but you are two or more that actually are going to contribute to this text i mean as i remember it you said to your colleagues, all right, you take that part, you take that part, and then we put it all together, and it doesn't make any sense in the end. <laughs> but now we have tools to help us make sense of it all throughout and let that red thread run through the whole text. And uh, specifically, the first I come to think about is Google Drive, which was called Google Docs before, but they changed the name, right? Uh, nah, is it that way? Or was it Google Drive and it's now Google Docs? But I mean, Google Docs still exists. Google, yeah, it's a, like Word. Go- Google Docs nowadays is just Word. Mi- like Microsoft Word or something but, like but that. But I, I don't think they call it Google Docs. I yeah, think they do. that Google Docs is a part of Google Drive. Um, no. Well, <laughs> most of your Google services usually save things through Drive. 
Yeah, true. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So Google Drive is a hard drive, uh, Dropbox-like solution. Exactly. Google Drive is like OneDrive or Dropbox or Apple Cloud or what's it called? Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. OneDrive or something. Mm. And then you have the three main programs from any Office suite, mainly Docs, Sheets, and Slides. I think they're called in Google. Yeah, exactly. Have you used any of these? All three. Yes, at least two of them. And is it easy to use? Is it easy to collaborate with people? Yeah, I think so. Much easier than most of the Windows alternatives. They are very similar to their Office equivalents in settings and and so on. So it's easy for people who come from Microsoft programs to grasp the Google Docs and Sheets and Slides, I think. (laughs) But now you're talking about Microsoft Office as installed on a PC, right? Yeah. Because Microsoft, as Robin pointed out earlier in the pre-talk, mm. has its own solution. Yeah. It's OneDrive, OneDrive right? I yep. think it's called. Yes. And their office solution is called? Uh, <laughs> let me Google that. Yeah, I will look into it. I actually use uh, the sheet myself. <laughs> Microsoft Office 365. I had to. 365, yeah, right. And their console is 360. I always get those two mixed up. No, it's one, the new one. Oh, it's a one now. Yeah, Xbox One. Yeah, that didn't make it harder. <laughs> <laughs> and the next one will be Xbox 366. No? Oh, just stop it. Oh. <laughs> All right, has any one of you used uh, Office 365? Perhaps. No, but I've used the online Excel sheet. All right. Out, you know, when you go to your Outlook or whatever, if you if you have one of those, that would be a part of Office three sixty five, wouldn't it? I think so. But, I'm not sure. But, but Office three sixty five costs money, right? And that yeah. can be installed on your computer. No. Right? No. 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 But All right. Then Office I have no idea. Office three sixty five is entirely cloud based. Okay. But is it? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but because I'm looking at the at the product page on Microsoft Store right now for Office 365 Home, and I, if I go down to what it includes, it says the Word, Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote, Outlook, and so on. And if I go to the the specifications, what it, uh, what I should have on my computer, it says that I need to have a three three gigabytes of hardware hard disk on my computer, six gigabyte on a Mac. So it must store something. On the computer. But we're rolling out Office 365 at my workplace. Congratulations. And yeah, it's I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> they aren't delivering any software. We are just getting accounts. It's all in the cloud. What's different then? Because, I mean, these OneDrive that's connected to a Outlook or Hotmail or MSN or whatever, all of those kind of live uh, email accounts... But the Office 365, it's not connected to those. Or is it? As far as I know, as I've understood it, it is to be a part of the web, the cloud service from Microsoft. I can read the FAQ on the product page. Shoot. What's the difference between between Office 365 plans and Office 2016 suits? Office 365 plans includes the complete suite of Office applications plus other services that are enabled over the internet, including extra cloud storage. 
in OneDrive and Escape. Mm. With Office 365, you get the full installed Office experience on PCs, Macs, tablets, and smartphones. Office 365 plans are available monthly or annual subscription. With Office 365, upgrades are always included. Office 2016 suites, including Office Home and Student, uh, includes applications such as Word, Excel, PowerPoint. They are available as a one-time purchase for use on a single PC or Mac. The applications are not automatically updated. To get the latest versions, you must purchase Office again. Yeah, yeah, but this we know. Yeah, so that's a difference. But do you mean that 365 or Office 365 is also available through the web browser? Absolutely. Okay. I've been using it on my phone, I think. Or the web or the no, it's not the web app, it's a native app, yeah. All right. And I've been using the Excel online program. Yeah. And it's okay. It's hmm. more or less the same, but downscaled to the Excel. What I can see anyway. Hmm. But it it's look more it looks more or less the same. Well, I I got this Excel sheet shared with me with another from another person. And uh, we had to use this because he used yeah windows uh, so or this or he he used outlook so i had to reactivate more or less my own my old old microsoft email uh, and now we use it to to collaborate uh, with the magazines we use and google has been leading in this market for a long time they they were first to do it really well yeah yeah, but uh, as far as I know, what I've heard, Microsoft is catching up. They are really trying. They they want to become a cloud company. A few years back, I remember the case was that uh, when when what do you call them office suites starting to be be a thing on the web, nothing really compared to the standard Microsoft Office suite uh, native on the computer. I mean, I mean, Google was early, but but uh, they lacked a quite a bit of functions in the web apps. Yeah. I remember that was the case at least five or six, seven years back. And that's not odd in any way since Microsoft never had any good web browser to work with. So <laughs> that's not so strange. Shots fired! <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, shots fired. But I just want to ask you, while we're talking about this, I've noticed that in LibreOffice, or OpenOffice if you prefer, there is a collaboration tool so you can actually work in your installed LibreOffice suite with others. Have any of you tried this? No. I use LibreOffice, but I've never used this one. No, me neither. Where, where do you access this? I mean, I'm in LibreOffice right now, trying to find something. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I know I've seen Collaborate via the cloud, but I never tested it, and I don't... I mean... I'm a bit dug into the Google sphere regarding Office tools. So, yeah. And me and my colleagues at work, we use it all the time. We always try to collaborate there. Mm-hmm. All right, but that is text, that is numbers, and that is presentations. What else do we have that we can collaborate with? We have code, for example. Yeah. What do we use to collaborate with code? Most commonly, I think, GitHub. And uh, Robin, have you ever used GitHub? No. No. Henrik, have you? Yeah, I've used GitHub. And I try to teach all my students to use GitHub as well, since when it comes to collaborating around code, a code base in any way, it doesn't matter really if it's 
C++, JavaScript, or HTML, it is a good tool. And you had something that you've been using, Henrik, to send HTML and CSS snippets, haven't you? Yeah, it's a small web service I found. It's called CodeShare. You can find it on codeshare.io. And it basically is just a terminal or text input window in your browser. And you can, well, you can use it to share just free text, but most commonly code. You get a unique URL for your code sharing slide, if you so will. And it... It's color-coded and indented. Yeah, yeah it's color-coded right. and indented. Yeah. Like, so it, it looks and feels like a, a usual ad, uh, or a standard code editor. And the unique URL you get, I think, lasts for 14 days, the standard free mode. And there are, there are such services for ordinary text as well. Yeah. What are they called? Bitbucket, isn't that one? Uh, perhaps. I, I recognize it. Bitbucket. Yeah. The Git solution for professional teams. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a Git alternative. That's what it was. Right. Code Manage Collaborate. I think that's a bit more fancy. I mean, you can use Git without using GitHub. I mean, GitHub is a, an organization, a company. I, I googled uh, TextShare and as I found one that many, I think, use is just paste.it. Right. I remember that one as well. Yeah, so that, that's the easy way to send code in a way that it's easily readable. I mean, you can, you can copy-paste it into an email, but it's a bit iffy to read. And, and I mean, if you... I don't know, if I have a bit of code that I want to share with, say, two or three colleagues, to copy-paste it into an email and send it to you, it feels like you don't know how that will be received and how it will arrive. If you instead send a link to one of these code share places, that is a much more reliable way. All right. Do we have anything else regarding code? Some code editors, doesn't they have collaboration tools built into them? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, what is it called? The POP Storm and these? Mm-hmm. You're probably right. But I think PHP Storm and those kind of tools, more professional tools, they rely a lot on Git integration. Yeah, probably. I think Git or GitHub is the, the biggest one when it comes to code. True. All right, if we move on to, let's say, smaller tools for notations and team collaboration, what do we have in that space me and my wife we used the notebook app on my, on the android platform before a color note i think it's called uh, it worked very nice when we used it and we felt like we needed it for grocery list you know if something goes missing and it's something is comp- emptied or completed we put it up on this list and then when someone go and shop there you can you, you see instantly what you need and it's a native app on Android? Or? It's an app from some company. I have no idea. I'm checking their homepage right now. We don't use it anymore. Google Play and Amazon Store. So it's probably just Android. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And then you just remove the items you, you bought and then... Yeah, that, that's splendid. It worked nice. But, I mean, you could use Google Docs for that. Yeah, uh, sure. Or, or any other service. Why did you stop using it? 
Or did you go over to another solution? No, no, the thing is we... we you just started talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can think that. Well, the thing is, if we would have used it properly, then we would probably have still used it, but we forgot to put stuff on, on the list. And then yeah. in the end, after some time, we just stopped using it because we didn't use it properly. As with all these solutions, you have to actually get the team to use it. Otherwise, it's, yeah. it doesn't matter what kind of tool you have. Yeah. yeah. For example, you might buy things, but you never cross them off the list. And then you had a problem next time when the other person the same day went to the same store and bought the same things because you forgot to erase them from the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have four cucumbers. <laughs> what are we going to do with all that? <laughs> Eat them. And Henrik, what do you use for note keeping? I've been using Google Keep for a few years, and I've also convinced my girlfriend to use it. So that's what we use. I think it's very similar to the one that Robin was describing, but it's the Google equivalent to Post-it notes. One or two years back, it was very simple. It was quite simply a Post-it note. You noted in in free text, or you could do a simple list and give it a, a different color. But that was basically it. Uh, nowadays, it's really it's getting a bit more full fleshed. You can add, add labels to different Post-it notes, so you can label them and arrange them in different orders. You can assign a post-it uh, with a specific date or time when it's due. And you can e- and they have even added a side function from notes, which is called reminders, that connects to your Google Calendar. And you can also share different post-it notes with different people just via email address. So for me, it works very well. I usually have a few post-it notes for a simple to-do list and a simple buying list, groceries and, and other stuff. And I just usually use it for note URLs to different sites or, or things I should check up later and yeah, stuff like that. Can you add images to Google Keep Notes? Yes, since at least one year back or something like that, you can add an image. So let's say I'm working on something that I should remember that I need to buy a new thing off. Uh, say, let's say I rep- I'm repairing something with my car and I can just take a photo of it and attach it to a post-it mm. note. Or I think in the in the Android app and the iOS app for Google Keep, you can also make a simple drawing nowadays mm-hmm. or just write f- or write freehand with, with your finger and attach that as an image to the note. All right. So I think it's very versatile. I, I use it a lot, uh, almost daily. Then it is getting closer to, well, the elephant in this market, which is Evernote. Yeah. Robin, have you, have you ever tried Evernote? No, I haven't actually, but I... You know of it? Yeah, sure, I do. I've thought about it many times, but never really got to the point that I have downloaded it. A bit like me then, almost. Henrik, have you tried Evernote? I think I downloaded it once a few years back, <laughs> but I've never used it. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's about almost... Yeah, I, I, I've come a bit further then. I, I've installed it and I've actually put in data in it, but I still don't get why people are almost religiously fans of this service. But Evernote is one of those programs that can keep and organize almost your whole life. you got all of these integrations where you can take photos, you can speak to it, you can record a, a small snippet, you can write text, you can 
easily tag information. You can gather it in different categories and such. And I know there are a web developer in England. His name is Paul Boag. He has his own podcast, the Boag World podcast. And he always talks about Evernote. It's his lifesaver. Anything he can't keep in his head, he keeps there. So Mm. there are many like him. But I haven't really, I don't know, some tools just doesn't catch on with me. But I really try to give them a, a fair chance, but uh, Evernote hasn't really gone there. Even though they should, because many of them, they should, because you some of these you really need. If you look at your your heavy use of things. I was thinking, for example, about all of your bookmarks. <laughs> I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> And I, I want to tell you that I've actually completely stopped using bookmarks. Yes, wow. same for me. Instead, I keep the tabs open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I use uh, Google Keep for bookmarks nowadays. You do? Yeah, so if I find an interesting link that I want to check out later, I usually just save it in Google Keep. Oh. And I check it out later and I just archive the notes. Hmm. So I, I don't keep bookmarks in the same way I did before. No, fair enough. But I'm having trouble accessing google keep in my computer i mean in the phone it's always there but i guess i have to visit keep.google.com or something like that keep.google.com i have it as a pinned tab in my web browser at work and at home yeah all right i'm compare. i'm looking at the evernote uh, pricing list uh, since they have a premium package Mm. Uh, the free one is 60 megabytes of uploads and uh, uh, less a lot less functions but the premium one for 500 kroner a year what is that 50 dollars 60 dollars per year mm, yeah mm. yeah 60 you get you get 10 gigabytes of cloud storage and a lot of the features that you get is really aimed towards business people i think you can annotate and search in pdfs you can scan and digitize business cards present notes mm. in one's click and so on so i can see why it's useful for people people having their own business or something like that and Evernote has tie-ins with Slack as well, which is a big thing in companies nowadays, which is, as far as I can tell, an ordinary chat program. But people think it's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> but it's a bit <laughs> out of out of the scope for this discussion. Yeah, that's more that's more about team communication and not collaboration, right? Yeah, exactly. But you mentioned another thing, Henrik, which is Google Calendar. And that is a good way to collaborate, I've found. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's the reason I went with Google Keep early on, I think, since I had it in my phone and it tied in nicely to all my, the rest of my Google services like Calendar and Mail. And I can agree with you on that. I use that all the time, Google Calendar, for the exact same reason. Yeah. Both with my wife at, uh, and, and, and for work. All right. Yeah, and it's so easy to share different calendars and you can... I mean, you can also set the granularity for how much information you give away. So you can have a calendar where you only say that I am busy this time. You don't say what you're doing. No. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that could be something you use for workmates or such. Mm. It's not none of their business what you're doing with your free time, but it could be beneficial for them knowing that, all right, I can't disturb him right now because he's busy. Yep. And then we end up with one of the larger 
solutions for getting stuff done in a group. An old classmate of mine works at Saab Aerospace right now. Is that even alive? Have have they? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's still working. All right. Yep. A couple of years ago, he was giving a talk about how they collaborate when they build whatever they are building. (laughs) Rockets and stuff. Engines, whatever. I don't know. And he said he didn't use any of these newfound collaboration tools. He used a whiteboard and post-it notes. That's it. Mm. So different colored post-it notes had different meaning. So you could always, at the start of a week, have a look at the whiteboard with the post-it notes, and he could immediately see that, all right, this team has run into a snag. I have to solve this for them to be able to continue working. And to do that, I need to take this post-it note and give it to this person to solve. And that was working great for them. And there are a company who has taken that philosophy and created a cloud service, namely Trello. And Trello is used by many a team to collaborate, and we use Trello when we plan our All in IT radio episodes. Yeah, we've been using it since the death of Google... Google Wave. Google Wave, yeah. it was called, yeah. <laughs> it was called. Exactly. <laughs> and if you compare it to Google Wave, we can talk more about that later, but then it's a bit limited because it doesn't have as many functions, and it really is like a bunch of lists with post-it notes. And of course, you can attach many a thing to these post-it notes, and you can make checklists and labels and sort it in different ways and assign it to different persons. But you have to find your own way of handling it in the group in which you are working, because there isn't a set way to work with Trello. You have to name your lists and such on your own and find the way to work on your own but there are of course examples how you can do it have any of you used trello in any other project besides all night radio yes <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> I, I thought robin was going to ask as well <laughs> i'm so happy that you're here henrik <laughs> that fountain of knowledge <laughs> yes <laughs> Should I continue? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I'm using it for this podcast, and I've used it for collaboration with our friend Jonathan when they were developing their game early on. So I had a bit of insight there. And I've also used it for, I think it was before I started using Google Keep more heavily, I tried to use Trello as a sort of scheduling app as well. Mm-hmm. Since you do this sort of boards, I did boards for each day and I did post-it notes for on the days with different things I wanted to oh. do. And yeah, hmm. and you can set a due date or due time on different uh, cards yeah, as exactly. well. Yeah, exactly. You can, s- in, in that case, I can also share, let's say, a post-it on Thursday. This should be done by this person, and yeah. Hmm. But I never really catched on with that. So yeah, I went with Google Keep instead. And the case can be that such a tool is too much for a simple use case. Yeah. I mean, Google Keep is easier to use if you don't have a massive need for it. And another of our mutual friends, you one, he, I mean, his his brain doesn't work properly, so he uses Trello to organize his whole life. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he has a massive use of yeah. it. 
since his brain is defective. <laughs> hey, Johan! <laughs> does he listen to this podcast? Not anymore. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> But he stops now. <laughs> Thing is, I don't have any use for these kind of apps or these kind of websites. I can definitely see the use of it, but I only use Trello with you guys mm. for this podcast. That's the only only thing I use it for mm. because I my my life is not that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Or maybe my brain is very complex, and I can take in all my all the information I need. I don't need these kind of apps or websites. No, no, fair enough. I would love to use Trello and Google Docs, let's say, with my group at work. We are 10 people or something like that. But since we are in a big organization, we have to use the huge <laughs> the tools provided by our employer. <laughs> and that is uh, Office 2013. Oh, nice. Which means that if one person opens, let's say, an Excel sheet, another person can't open it mm. other than in read-only mode. Mm. Stuff like that is quite annoying. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> All right, what about Google Wave then? It's dead, Dave. It is dead, Dave. <laughs> I mean, I really loved Google Wave. It yeah. was sort of, I mean, it was pre-Google Docs, was it? No, it wasn't. Mm, no, no, Google Docs existed. But it was sort of combining Google Docs with Google Keep and a few other services. So you could, you sort of had a forum which in which you could comment on other people's notations but you could also like Facebook. write uh, well <laughs> Kenneth wouldn't know <laughs> I wouldn't know that but but if you wanted you could build a sort of social media-esque layout in Google Wave but it was so much more since you had all the tools for collaboration as well So, of course, you could just make a plain notice board where you could post posts. But it had so much more. And I I felt that many didn't really get Google Wave. I'm one of them. <laughs> which probably is why Google never kept it going. They, they killed it off. Yeah, You were the only two users. But I really liked it. I think it was somewhere in between the use cases. I mean, for an ordinary person, I think Google Wave was re really confusing. And for bigger organizations, I think Google Wave was kind of too small. But for us in the podcast and, and smaller groups, I think Google Wave was spot on. Yeah, that could be a correct analysis. I think you're right there. Wow, is it that old? They announced in August 2010 that they were not going to continue <laughs> development. Yeah. And they shut it down in April 2012. Whoa. Time flies. But wait, when did we start the podcast? We started it, I think, somewhere around 2011. All right. So we had Google Wave on board a while. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I remember we were discussing the name of the podcast and such in Google Wave. Mm. And for some mysterious reason, I let our mutual friend Jonathan in. And <laughs> he's not much for collaborating <laughs> like that. <laughs> he was raving things about cows and I don't know. Yeah. All right. But just a few months ago, Google announced that they have released a new service or a new app, which they call Google... Spaces. Spaces. Yeah, that's it. I'm trying to get it to work on my account right now. And Robin hasn't tried it. 
Henrik hasn't managed to install it. <laughs> I've installed it, opened it up, created a space, which is what you do. You create spaces. But there are no posts in that space. <laughs> it's empty. But I, I can collaborate with my colleagues at work. So the theory is that you create a space for a project and then you can fill it up with notes regarding almost anything. I think you can take pictures and comment and discuss things. So it's sort of a continuation of Google Wave, but Ah. in a more streamlined fashion. So it's not like a chat client? Nope. Nope. That's not the intended use. It sounded a little, uh, sounded a little, a little bit like that when you, when you described it. And you're not far off, actually. I mean, a lot of these things you can do in an ordinary Google Hangout. Yeah. I mean, we can discuss things. We can post images and such. But the thing is, a Google Hangout is strictly linear. Hmm. You have to search for things that was said a couple of months ago. I guess that in Google Spaces you can more prioritize by how important something is. So you can tag things and and, uh, group things so that large discussions about where we're going to eat this next lunchtime doesn't cover or or hide more important topics. Mm. Is that about your... um, Impression as well, uh, Henrik? I wasn't uh, completely listening to what you were saying <laughs> since I was trying to get it to work. But yeah, what I gather from this is that it is a perfect collaboration platform for smaller things with your family and friends. I mean, let's say a holiday or a renovation or... Yeah, exactly. If you're going to, uh, say, a, a town where you haven't been before and to collaborate with your family, which is going with you <laughs> in this scenario. Yeah. If you can post links to interesting places, photos of places you want to see. Yes. If I want to create a new post, I get a Google search box with a recommendation. Find something interesting to share in your space. Yeah. Or your video clips and photos can also be mm. good shares. So I have and access to my photos, videos, or I can post a link directly or just a comment. So they are trying to make it much more than just a chat client. (laughs) And I like the look of it. I like and I can see the callback to Google Wave. So perhaps I will give it another shot. Aha. That's the reason I can't use it on my default mail account. All right. I use a custom domain. So I use, ah. what is it called? Google Apps. Uh, apps for domains. Yeah, I have a legacy account since it's a pay service nowadays. And I can't get it yet. Okay. No. Yeah. It usually takes a few months extra for it to roll out to apps for domains accounts. Mm. All right. Fair enough. Do we know of anything else? Yeah, we have Doodle. Doodle. And Time... What was it called? Time something? It's services for finding it. Time... 
when you can have a meeting. Ah, okay. Yeah, we have tried that as well. So you can enter... I mean, I have four free slots next week where we could meet. And if everyone goes in and adds their free slots, you can see that, all right, the only time everyone can meet is Thursday afternoon at uh, 1600 hours. Yeah. Hmm. But we used something similar, right? Not not this program, but we used another one. Yeah, Doodle is one of them, and the other is called Time Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one we used. I, I used them both. So, <laughs> And it's really good. It's a really good tool. And you don't have to have anything else. You don't have to install anything. It sends out an email, you log in, you give the answer, and that's it. We were trying to set up a meeting where we were going to play something together, six of us. And it's six busy people who have busy schedules. It's hard to find the time. Indeed. In that case, such a a tool is really, really good. I mean, it's even better than starting up a hangout and just say, Well, I can this time. (laughs) I don't know. I might be, but no, I can't. I can. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just pandemonium. It's almost a must. I found a service called TimeBridge, but that's perhaps not what you were thinking of. No, that's not it either. No. Well, it doesn't matter. But I'll probably find a link and, and link to it in the show notes. But I remember Doodle because that was one of the better ones, so I can recommend that one. Mm-hmm. Can you feel that this new found? cloudy cloud cloud uh, world in which we live where internet is everywhere can you feel that tools like these actually help you are they worth the trouble no fair enough robin (laughs) (laughs) some of them maybe but far from everyone Uh, far from every every service yeah, and there are different use cases, of course, but, I mean, uh, on a whole... The... Well, I don't know. It's like the cloud is just another person's computer or another company's computer. Yep. And you are giving away more and more information. Yeah, you are. I'm actually not sure what I'm thinking about. <laughs> what I, yeah, I haven't made up my mind, I think. What is this? Robin doesn't have an opinion? <laughs> this is something for one, new. Yeah, for once. <laughs> Well, I don't like the cloud usually, but it's it's more or less forced down your throat. It's like 3D in the in the cinema, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you more or less need to use it. Yeah, I won't. All right, what about you, Henrik? I think they're useful. I mean, people use them, <laughs> but I think it it varies a lot what what collaboration tool you need i mean it's like what tool you need out of the toolbox mm-hmm. they are very different and some of them are very niched toward very specific user cases so if you find a collaboration tool that you use with a few co-workers or a few friends it might not be a universal collaboration platform for all of your friends or for all of your co-workers or all the use cases in your life I, lo- I love Google Keep personally, but that's more a note-keeping app for me, and it ties in in small ways to other people. Mm. Yeah. But that's what works for me, and for uh, another person, I, uh, Trello could be working much better, and, 
The problem with most of these services, in my opinion, is that they usually require some sort of user account and cloud storage. And in the same way that it unifies you with other people when you collaborate, it also can divide them since I use this platform and I don't have an account there. And mm. that's usually the, the problem with all of these things, social networks. and Yeah, definitely. And the same way with social networks, a collaboration tool in which you are not collaborating, I mean, is not a tool. <laughs> it doesn't give you anything. The important thing is that the people around you actually are using it. Yeah. So if you have something that people that you and the people in your group are using, fine. And there are no all-over solution that I can give you that this is the tool for you. You have to try it out. Try it out, see what sticks. Yes. The Asus Chromebook Flip C100PA is a neat little device. It's a 4-core Cortex-A17 processor by Rockchip. It's got 4 gigs RAM, 16 gigabyte SSD. It got uh, wireless, Bluetooth. It's a 10.1-inch LED touchscreen with a 280 by 800 resolution. And the thing is, you can bend the screen backwards 360 degrees, so it can be used as a tablet. So it's sort of a netbook but with Chrome OS, and it's transformable into a tablet. If you look at it, it's got the same thing as you would expect from a, a netbook type or a Chromebook type computer. It's got a power button, sound rocker, proprietary charger, two USB 2.0, audio jack, micro HDMI, and a micro SD slot if you want to up the hard disk space. The battery, it lasts about nine hours, and I can attest to that. It's I've never had it run out on me uh, during a day's work. It weighs 0.9 kilos, so it's very easy to bring along. It is off the market, but the price was roughly 2,500 Swedish kroner. And I love it. It's a great device. I take it everywhere. It's my standard travel device nowadays. And at home, it's my standard multimedia device. I, I use it to, to watch YouTube clips and, and Netflix and all such. It's easy to send things to the Chromecast from it. I have installed Linux on it because you can do that on Chromebooks. I use a project called Crouton to install uh, Kubuntu. So I had an ordinary Linux installation. But honestly, I removed it because I didn't need it. Everything I needed to do with this kind of device, I could do in Chrome OS. And especially now, I'm running the dev version of Chrome OS, so I have access to the Google Play Store, which means that I can install Android applications on my device. And not every Google Play application is fitted to a tablet size, but that's the ordinary problem for all Android tablets as well, so there's not uh, inherently a problem with the Chromebook. But so far I have, I think, only two things that I don't like, and that's the proprietary charger, which is a problem. I would have preferred a standard USB, a USB-C perhaps, but this is a proprietary one. It's locked down, you have to buy it from Asus, and it's really expensive if you lose it. Uh, I don't like that. And the keyboard is not backlit. And for this kind of device, I think it should be, actually. 
This is not a work laptop that you always use in a light room. This is a device which you use in different kind of settings and therefore you, you want it to be usable even in low light situations. But other than that, I really do recommend it. And if you can buy a Chromebook, I actually think you should. It's a great device. It works really well. It updates and you don't have to worry about uh, viruses and, and upgrades and such. So for a parent or a grandparent or the non-technical friend of yours, if they don't have any special requirements regarding games and such, well, consider giving them a Chromebook. It's really cheap and it's a great device. And that's my review of the ASUS Chromebook Flip C100PA. I have one question for you. I'm not sure you if you talked about it. I don't think you did because I hope I would have heard it. It's 16 gigabyte SSD hard drive and that's very little. Do you always have it connected to the internet and use cloud services or do you use one of these portable hard drives with you? Do you take one of those with you? As I mentioned, there is a micro SD slot. So I have a 32 gigabyte micro SD there mm, mm-hmm. to to um, enlarge the hard drive space, but it's not a problem. I haven't noticed any problem at all because what do you do that requires hard drive space? Well, I mean, if you have access to Google Play Store now, I think 16 would be a bit slim. Yeah, sure. True. I mean, I usually find 16 gigabytes slim on if I have it on my phone. Mm. And I mean, if if you even care a little about movies, clips, or f- high resolution photos, then you will have a problem in the end. Why but would maybe... you have high resolution photos on a Chromebook? No, because I'm you just are dumb. But that's why. <laughs> yeah, but you have them. In... Go to photos.google.com. That's where you have your high resolution photos. Yeah. No. <laughs> you, can't, you can't save them up I, I think the free storage is for pictures up to 10 megapixels yep if you right. want bigger resolution than that you have to take it from your google drive you have to pay for it but but that's high resolution for Kenneth yeah okay I mean he said that it was 280 by 800 so <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't have any camera able to take pictures with a high resolution than that anyway so I don't know <laughs> mm. yeah alright just a question mm. No, well, I haven't noticed any problem with hard drive space yet. And with a four-core processor and the RAM that it has, it, it, it's snappy, it's quick, it does what it should do. And I mean, hmm. it is an internet device, it is Chrome OS. That's the thing, it, it is only a web browser. But as I mentioned, I installed Linux, but I removed it again because I didn't need it. And Linux ran fine on it. Perfect. But do you use it more as a tablet than a laptop i never use it as a tablet actually that is i never switch it around uh, so it the the keyboard is deactivated on the back but uh, i guess the use case is more like a tablet but i wouldn't know i've never owned a tablet (laughs) (laughs) no i really like it i can't say it really fills a need that would be going too far it feels it feels a want it feels a want that that it does and I've come to use it a lot. I mean, it's so easy to 
bring along if I'm going to a, a, a conference or, or anything like that. It's so easy, just pick it up. It's under a kilo. I mean, it's great. And mm. the battery lasts all day. And it has support, of course. It doesn't have to be online. You, you can write stuff and, and such offline as well. But it, the idea is to be online and for you to interact with the cloud services. No, I'm really, really, really happy with it. And Form Factor is splendid. It's wonderful. What, what do you think about the uh, screen brightness and uh, battery time or battery life? Battery, perfect. Not a problem at all. I mean, going through a, a, com- a complete workday, that's good enough. And since I usually don't do any work on it, it lasts me two or three days before I have to load it again with power. And the screen brightness, yeah, well, when it's dark, when, when I'm in a dark room, I have to lower it because it's too high. When I'm in a light room, I turn it up to max, and that's great. <laughs> I don't understand the question. <laughs> no, no, but I just mean... The, how the screen brightness is compared to, well, other devices such as smartphones. If you let's say if you were to use the laptop or the Chromebook outside in broad daylight, I would have the same problem as I have with my phone or yeah, okay, yeah. ordinary laptop. It's not bad, not at all, and it's a sturdy device. It feels really nice in your hand. It's a, it's a nice build. It has a lot of build quality about it. Mm. And actually, I mean, I am a professed hater of touch screens when they are not needed. But on this little device, I can see that it's a good thing. Specifically, scrolling down on web pages. Yeah. I immediately put my hand on the screen and scroll with my thumb mm. rather than scrolling with buttons or. Uh, or the touchpad. Hmm. Maybe you mentioned this in the review. I didn't listen. But uh, what do you use it for mostly? YouTube. YouTube. And just general web browsing. Yeah, browsing. I use it to take notes at uh, meetings. Hmm. I use it to do everything that isn't coming naturally on a phone. Hmm. I mean, Robin, you use your phone to type more than you use your keyboard (laughs) which is a horrible thought yeah but i mean i would rather have this with me and type on that yeah Yeah, but this is a lot bigger than my phone though true otherwise i totally agree with you it's not uh and i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't prefer this to send a message via sms but uh, I mean, a, t- a text I- isn't what I'm talking about here. But if you're on a, in a meeting and you want to take notes, I would always prefer this instead of trying to take yeah. notes on my phone. Yeah. Yeah, sure. When I take notes, I usually use my tablet with uh, a Bluetooth keyboard connected. So it's like a small laptop. Yeah. And this doesn't have the problem of different devices that needs to be charged and it doesn't have the bluetooth connectivity problems and it uh, isn't dinky or it has this build quality Mm. for a device with that much ram and uh, that battery life and for that price and the use case you have it for i think it's a bargain i mean considering people use buy macbooks just to browse youtube 
<laughs> well, well, that, <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> the sad thing is that those people really exist. Yes. All right, that was the hardware of the episode. So another episode is at its end, guys. We are now a bit more versed in the areas of collaboration, which perhaps isn't our strongest suit when you consider that none of you actually use the collaboration tools that (laughs) I set up for you, but I'm not bitter, not at all. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Well, like 10 minutes before or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. We collaborate very efficient when we do. Oh, yeah, all right. That's how you see it. We collaborate each on our own. Efficiency. Yeah, very important. Efficiency. That's the key word. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. So if you have any ideas out there in the podcast land for any other topics that you think we should talk about, anything you want us to discuss, you're welcome to contact us. We have had some feedback regarding products and such that we should talk about, and we might actually do that in a coming episode. But this is it for this time. The intro music today, what was that, Henrik? The track we listened to this time was called Summer Rain. It was an up by an artist called Yunus, but it was licensed under a Creative Commons license. I guess it's a German license, since it ends with D. Yep. Yes, it is. Okay. And Henrik, if people want to contact you to tell you how utterly wrong you were in this episode, where do they turn to? They can contact me through Twitter easily by my using my handle at warpfuzz, W-A-R-P-F-U-Z. All right, and Robin, if they want to tell you how wonderfully correct you were and what a great person yeah. you are, where do they turn? <laughs> they turn to Twitter at Robin Harming. Splendid. You see how short I was. Yeah, it's wonderful because you were actually turning into uh, your own segment trying to explain how to get in touch with you. But uh, yeah, this is better. This is better. And thank you. Thank you. I'm really trying. (laughs) And Henrik's prophecy that you would only be. You would only be reachable via Tinder didn't turn out true. And that I'm thankful for that. Yeah, thank you. That's a sad story. <laughs> you two must have had that conversation by yourself. No, you can only contact Robin through Pokemon Go nowadays. Oh, oh I there hate we thing. go. I will never you, use it. You will find him lurking at Copamara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Henrik actually said it in the outro in the last episode, uh, Robin. Oh, if okay. If you remember. No. <laughs> Some time ago. Yeah, come on. So August last year, well, what's... <laughs> Don't you remember? <laughs> How's your short-term memory, Robin? <laughs> I don't so remember. You had checkup, and it, it was released in January. So, and I believe you edited it. Yeah, for once. All right. Anyway, <laughs> and if you want to reach me or the podcast, you can turn to Twitter at Altinomiti A L L T I N O M I T, or you can mail us at what's an email address? Huh? Show at aiit.se, and we welcome all feedback in any form or way. We even welcome your spammy press releases. Please continue to us. <laughs> yeah, and direct them to Henrik at... Yes. No! It doesn't matter. They always end up in my inbox and you never read them. 
I love that. <laughs> collaboration. <laughs> that is collaboration at its best. Yeah. yeah. And as my prophecy foretold, Henrik didn't listen to me at least four times during this episode. <laughs> Thank you, Henrik. All right, looking forward to the next show. Thank you guys for this time, and onwards, always onwards. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> you s- <laughs> you shouldn't sound confused at that, Henrik. You should say, "Oh, exactly like we always do it." I'm not. I'm not confused. I just didn't listen. No, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> Who wants to go first with one cool thing? I don't have a one cool thing, so I will go last. <laughs> You have one here. Yeah, but I don't want to use it. (laughs) Swoosh! Okay, it's time for um, hardware of the episode. Okay, we are doing that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Haven't you seen in Trello?
Yeah, thank you for nobody using Trello but me. Well, okay. Feels great. I wasn't just. I wasn't sure if we were going to include it. That's I'm all. not bitter. I started to use it right. ten minutes before we start. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's a collaboration tool which yes. only I use to collaborate yes. with myself. Thank you. Yes. Ah, I was checking the 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 card I had assigned to me. Yeah, Good and ignoring everything else. <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I just. Right, no, I have a. Th- I mean, I I checked the count. The 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 post-it now. The Google Wave saved. Yeah. That we didn't mention. I checked the link. Saved it's not saved. It's dead. It's forbidden. <laughs> forbidden. Yeah. I think we're a bit late to the cake on that one. Um, uh, might be. <laughs> might be. <laughs> <laughs> I added it in February 2013. So. <laughs> and that was and that was a news topic that we should have included according to the list. Yep. Well, yeah. It was. Oh well. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Henrik, have you? Uh, yeah. Can you give me that answer once more without an <laughs> uh? Uh, no. I'm surprised, really. Uh, what, what, uh, <laughs> well, when you what say, the... when you put it like that, I have to yeah. <laughs> protest. Because... <laughs> <laughs> That's my general opinion of your purchase. Of you? No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was an outro of some sort. Let's do an yes. intro. No. Not with a horrible nope. setting. No setting. <laughs> no setting. Oh, thank you. All right, looking forward to next the